Coming to you live from a barbecue shack near you, it's the SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. We've got the sweet tea, the white bread, and a whole lot of slow smoke takes lined up. So put down your turkey burger, turn up the volume, and grab your hog, because it's about to be on. Oh, yeah. Now, say hello to your self-proclaimed food and sports experts, the utterly enthusiastic Holt Smash, and the one and only Tinder King of Memphis, Mr. JB the underscore Brooks. And now, here's your host, always full of ship, Alex Bullship One. Welcome back to the official SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. I'm not Alex. I'm your host for the day, Holt. Uh, Alex couldn't be with us this evening. He had to uh, make the long drive back from Nashville where he ate some awesome barbecue and saw Titans play and also dressed up like Squints from the Sandlot. Uh, But I'm your host today, Holt, and I will be joined by the one and only Tinder King of Memphis, J.B. Brooks. How's it going, J.B.? I'm doing pretty well, Holt. Uh, This is a pretty exciting weekend for me. I had a a wedding to attend. I had lots of great food over the weekend. And uh, at the same time, I was mixing in, trying to watch some football at the same time. So it's been a very wild and hectic weekend. But on this Sunday night, I'm finally getting a chance to wind down. We're going to be able to discuss all the things that happened this weekend regarding SEC football. Yeah, as always. And we're going to try to make this a quick podcast. I feel like we say that every Sunday, but I feel like we're going to try really hard to keep this one right around 30, 45 minutes. So see where see what happens. But first, got to start off with... What you ate for brunch, um, Owen Brennan's, the awesome brunch they have there. Tell us about it. Yeah, at Owen Brennan's, uh, it was an amazing meal that I had. And uh, if I can pull up the uh, menu real quick, I'm going to see what we had. Um, I know I had the menu somewhere. I'm going to go pull it up on here. But, I mean, this this food I had was unbelievable. I mean, it was a, um, a brunch that uh, cost $40 per person. Uh, it had six different stations. It had a salad station, a seafood station, a continental breakfast station, a entree station, a dessert station, and then a cooked order station. Just not try to go through the whole menu, but you know, salad station, you know, typical salad bar had like deviled eggs and uh, you know, assorted uh, cube cheeses and andouille sausage. Seafood had peel and eat shrimp, oysters, and smoked salmon. Uh, the continental breakfast had like. Homemade cinnamon rolls, French toast, apple fritters, you know, fruit. Uh, the entrees, I mean, golly, it's a, it's a huge list, but they had bacon, sausage, and eggs. Uh, you had fried catfish, crawfish etouffee, fried chicken, uh, beef tips, roast beef, prime rib, green beans. Uh, the cooked order station had omelets, eggs benedict, and Belgian waffles. And then the desserts, you had chocolate-covered strawberries, uh, eclairs, uh, you know, cheesecake, cream brulee, lemon tarts. Uh, bananas foster fruit cobbler and bread pudding and i think that's about it but it was uh the best buffet i've ever had i would love to go again for my birthday i think that might be where i'd go to for my birthday one day but uh, i ate way too much and i did not eat anything the rest of the day but it, it was i mean i've been to a lot of great buffets but i think this is probably not my favorite buffet seven plates is that right 
Uh, not that many, but it was. I think it was maybe four or five. Four or five regular plates, and then like two or three dessert plates. That makes sense, but no, it was not that much. I wish I was hungrier, because then I probably could have done that, but I was not as hungry as I wanted to be. I wanted to be really hungry for this. Like, I was excited for this buffet. Like, I went to bed the night before, like, you know, a kid on Christmas Eve, like, couldn't wait to wake up and go to the bu- this buffet. Like, I was ex- really excited for it. Yeah, well, that's great. Um I love how you say you weren't that hungry, and then you still ate like four or five yeah. plates. And I'm, so, pretty sure, yeah. I'm pretty sure you ate more than that. But. Yeah, but it was it was a special occasion. It was for my uh, girlfriend's aunt and uh, my girlfriend's brother's girlfriend as well. So we guys were celebrating uh, two birthdays. So I want to say happy birthday to William's girlfriend, and also happy birthday to Miss Angie, which is uh, my girlfriend Catherine's uh, aunt. You don't know William's girlfriend's name? His girlfriend's name is Austin. <laughs> that would have been really funny if you didn't know it. No, but it would it would have been yeah it would have been really bad if I didn't. But I do know her name, so I wanted to say happy birthday to both yeah. of them and thank them for a wonderful outing to this awesome buffet that I got to have. Yeah, she probably be, she probably prefers to be called by her name and not William's girlfriend. But <laughs> I don't know her. Maybe she does. I've never met her. But anyway, so getting into SEC football, obviously the big game of the weekend: LSU hosting Auburn, uh, getting the big twenty three twenty victory over the Tigers. Um, you know, I know you didn't get to see a ton of this game because of the wedding you were at, but just based on like um, what you were able to see and kind of what you've been able to gather, what's kind of your takeaway from this game? Uh, balance is what I would definitely take away from this LSU team. I mean, like you, like I, like you said, and we talked about after the game, uh, LSU was able to move the ball, but you know they got stopped in the red zone a few times in this game. But man, like it, it, they've been up to the task in every game that they played. Like we we say, like when they played Florida, that maybe they would be the first team to slow this offense down. And then when they played Auburn, who was looked like the best defense in the uh, entire you know SEC all season, they couldn't really even really stop LSU. LSU was still able to move the ball against them. So I think we know by now this LSU offense is for real. I mean, I think we knew that already. But for the you know five percent that didn't believe it, I think that was the remaining five percent now know it's the best possibly in the SEC and one of the best in the country. I mean, this offense is really unbelievable. I mean, the the running game has really come along as the season's progressed. The uh, the passing game, of course, is, you know, phenomenal. I mean, you got three awesome receivers. I mean, like technically four. I mean, you got a lot of playmakers on this team, and I really loved watching them. And, I mean, give credit to Auburn's defense, though. They did a good job, you know, limiting LSU to only 23 points. And, but Bo Dix definitely was, you know, erratic at times, you know, for you know, forcing and, you know, doing trying to do too much and had a few turnovers. But this Auburn team is still legit. I mean, they, they might have two losses, but pretty, I would say they're probably the, still the best two-loss team in the country. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you on that. Um, I'm not sure at what point it starts becoming an honor to be, like, the best team with a certain amount of losses. But I think Auburn's still in that conversation um, for, like, a top 15, top 12 type team in the country. Um, but... To me, the story of this game is, I mean, the score didn't really uh, do it justice. I think LSU outplayed Auburn a lot more by a lot more than three points. Um, you know, Auburn had one touchdown after a muff punt, and that gave him, you know, a great field position starting in the red zone. And then, you know, the other touchdown came with like a minute left in the game. So, um, you know, basically, LSU's defense was pretty much dominant in this one. Um, Auburn did have like one really long play by DJ Williams, a 70 yard run. Um, but other than that, they pretty much kept the Auburn's offense in check. Bonex, you know, like I said, I mean, I'm not trying to knock, knock him. I'm not saying he's a bad player or anything like that, but, 
Um, you know, he, he's, it's basically pretty much been all hype to this point. We haven't actually seen him progress. We haven't actually seen him, uh, go out and make plays. I mean, besides that one play against Oregon where, I mean, he kind of just threw it up and the receiver made a great catch. Um, that's really all we have, um, from Bo Nix aside from him just being like a five-star quarterback and like all that stuff, you know, I, I, we need to see a little bit more out of him. And I know he's a true freshman. He'll get better over the course of his career, but you know, I think we're starting to get to the point where it's like, you know, is he actually good or is was he just really highly recruited? Yeah, I mean, I, I do. I still have faith in Bo Nix, you know, being a really good quarterback at Auburn. But as we know, at Malzahn, it seems like with quarterbacks under Malzahn, they progressively get a little bit worse each year that they play under Malzahn. So I hope it's, it doesn't end up this way for Bo Nix because the talent and the potential is definitely there for him. Yeah, and quarterbacks, de- you know, traditionally don't uh, progress very well under Malzahn, they usually kind of or stay as good as they are for over the course of their career and don't really improve. Sometimes even takes taking a step backwards. Um, not saying that's going to be the case with Knicks. I'm just saying that track record shows Malzahn isn't necessarily the best at developing quarterbacks. But one quarterback who has been developed um, over the last year is Joe Burrow. Um, another huge game for him. 321 yards, one touchdown, one pick. Really just a, another great game. I think he's still the leading Heisman, Heisman contender, in my opinion, um, and he leads LSU to another big win. What what can you say about Joe Burrow that you haven't said already? I mean, phenomenal. I mean, he's, he's, it's a 180 turnaround from what he was last year. I mean, last year, I mean, let's let's be frank. I mean, he was definitely more of a game manager last year. He wasn't the guy that you expected to go out there and win you a game. He is that guy now. Like, he is a quarterback that you can rely on to, you know, lead his LSU team to victories and not just, you know, manage the game. Like, he is – what makes the offense go. I mean, he's, you know, incredible decision maker. I mean, he doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Uh, you know, he makes a lot of the best reads and he, you know, he's a, he's a great leader of the offense. And I definitely will tell you, he's the, he's the Heisman contender now. I mean, I think with Jalen Hurts, his team losing and, you know, Tua going down with his injury. I mean, I just don't know how his production is going to be the rest of the year. I think right now it's, uh, if Joe Burrow keeps up, you know, the rest of the season, I mean, I think, it almost may be his to lose. If if they if they can beat Alabama, I mean I think he's it's gonna be Burroughs Heisman Trophy to lose. Yeah, I mean it's definitely gonna come down to that Alabama game, I think, but I think it's definitely looking like Joe Burrow's the leader right now. Um but just some more stats in this game. Uh, you know, obviously LSU only wins by three points, but they outgained uh Auburn five hundred and eight to two eighty seven, so just completely dominated. Um, you know, Basically both sides of the ball, um, not a dominant win on the scoreboard, but they definitely were the better team. Uh, I think that was pretty obvious. Um, but you know, give Auburn some credit for playing hard, and you know Malzahn said they came to win, and he you know had some pretty aggressive calls in this game. Um, you know, went forward on fourth down on the goal line, got the touchdown, and um, you know some other plays as well. So he definitely came to win, and he knew it was going to be a tough game. But you know LSU was the better team, and they were able to get the win. Uh, but moving on um, to another game um, that I know you're going to be excited to talk about, the South Carolina-Tennessee game. Um, Tennessee has a really good, um, <coughs> you know, really really big bounce-back game for them, I guess I should say. Um, you know, obviously the quarterback is out, uh, Maurer, or Maurer, however Maurer. you say it. And um, so Garantano gets to start, and uh, he actually gets banged up a little bit. So uh, Stroud has to come in, the freshman, and they both actually played really well in this one. Um, is this more like the receivers playing well? Is this more like the offense progressing? Or is this like 
do these quarterbacks have it figured out? I mean, what do we make of this? I mean, where do I start? I mean, the whole team has completely progressed from week one. But I, I think where this really comes boils down to is the improvement of the offensive line. I mean, this Tennessee offensive line has really come together. Like, they're, they're generating pushes for the running game, and they're also protecting the quarterback even more. I mean, you don't see a lot of as many hurries on the Tennessee quarterback this year, whoever's in there, uh, you know, at this point that we were seeing, like, earlier in the year, like, got to give credit to the Tennessee coaching staff. I mean, they have gotten this team better, and it all and the offensive line is really the unit that's <clears throat> improved the most. That's really, really showing what the Tennessee offense is capable of, and got to give credit to Jim Chaney, too, for a calling a, a great game against South Carolina with nine, nine plays that resulted in, I think, uh, you know, 15 yards or more. I mean, that's incredible explosiveness, and Kind of not not the explosiveness that Tennessee's been seeing all season, but I mean, yeah, that that, that whole team is just really starting to come together, and uh, I mean, I think they're probably in a bold contention now. I mean, just looking at the rest of their schedule, I mean, I think they've really turned their season around. They're much improved, but also I gotta, you know, give credit. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess we're pretty much talking about offense, but I really think it boils down to. Uh, to uh, the quarterbacks, too. I mean, I, Tennessee already had awesome receivers, and they weren't really being able to show themselves all year because the quarterbacks were just weren't playing that well. But they've gotten better as the season's gone, and Garantano had a really good response from uh, his dismal performance against Alabama last week. Yeah, and another really big game for Juwan Jennings and uh, Callaway both. Um, you know, Callaway also had the punt return for touchdown early in this one that I think really kind of got the momentum going. Um, so they're continuing to get those two receivers involved, I think, uh, you probably agree. Those are probably their two best players on the offensive side. They're two best playmakers, and they're really finding ways to get them involved uh, off play action and um, just like crossing routes and just you know finding different ways. Uh, Jim Chaney is to get those guys the ball um, in space, and they're being able to make plays. They even put Jennings at quarterback for a, sn- a few snaps in this one. Um, so I mean, you can just tell that they're kind of running their offense through him. Uh, seven catches, 174 yards, two touchdowns. So just a Absolutely huge game for him. And then Callaway had the three catches, 102 yards, and the uh, including the 55-yard touchdown uh, from uh, Strout. So, um, you know, really impressive to see this offense kind of come together. And, I, you know, you do make a good point about the offensive line. Um, they're a really young unit, but a really talented unit. And they seem like they've really progressed as the season's gone on. Um, not a dominant game on the ground, but, you know, they definitely did enough in the running game to uh, open up some play action and um, get some big plays down the field. And, I mean, obviously the explosive plays were the difference in this one for Tennessee. For sure. I mean, the whole team to me is, you know, night and day difference from what they were in uh, week one. I mean, now they look like a competitive team. Like, we were thinking they were going to be, the like, just a month ago going into October, we were talking about whether Tennessee or Arkansas was the worst team in the conference. And now Tennessee's kind of moved up to mid-pack in the conference. I mean, they're nowhere near the worst team anymore. And this last month, I mean, they you know, completely improved, and now they're competitive, and they'll be competing for a bowl bid uh, going into November. So that's with three and five record. I mean, their schedule is favorable for them to possibly get to six wins and get to a bowl, which would be a miraculous finish after their dismal zero and two start. You know, losing to Georgia State and BYU. Yeah, and another um, interesting stat line for Ryan Helensky: twenty eight of fifty one for three hundred nineteen yards, one touchdown, no picks. So. uh <laughs> You know, they're continuing to throw the ball a lot with him. Um, he's still not got, you know, a great completion percentage, but he is putting up yards and he's not turning the ball over. Um, Feaster had a decent game, 19 yards, 80 carries, but they really weren't able to get anything going on the ground. Um, they weren't really able to get anything established. 
Uh, obviously a huge game for Shai Smith. Um, you know, probably won't get talked about a lot just because they lost, but 11 catches, 156 yards, and a touchdown. And then um, Edwards had probably the catch of the year. Um, it was quite a touchdown on the field, but I think they actually moved it back to the one. Uh, went up and made like a one-handed catch along the sidelines, right. like a Odell Beckham type play, and that was a great catch. So, um, you know, tough loss for South Carolina. I think if you'd have told South Carolina or you'd have told Will Muschamp before the game that they were going to score 21 points, I think they would probably felt pretty confident they were able to get the win. Um, so, I mean, I don't think you can really put this one on the offense. I think this loss kind of goes to the defense and yeah. the secondary. Yeah, I mean, I. The score itself to me is really surprising. I think my final score I predicted was 12-10 Tennessee. I thought this was going to be a defensive struggle. So I'm really surprised to see how many points we had in this game. And, I mean, both of these teams were, you know, I wouldn't say hot, but both of these teams looked like they were, you know, improved going into this game. And we were wanting to see which team was improved more. And, you know, South Carolina, you know, they, they needed this game. And I, I think both of these teams really needed this game, but especially South Carolina – because now uh, with them losing, uh, there's still some tough games coming up. You know, one against South with against Clemson, and I'm trying to think of the other game they have coming up that's tough. But uh, the rest of their schedule, I mean, I don't even know if they're going to be able to make it to a bowl. Yeah, well, I know they play Texas A&M. Yeah, and then they play Appala- Appalachian State at home, which is no gimme. I mean, I think that one. I mean, who knows? App State might come in favored in that game. I don't know about that. I, mean, I don't, I don't think still is undefeated, though, aren't they? They are still undefeated. I, they might be in the top 15 now. I don't know where they are in the polls. but yeah, I think they're like 20 right now, I want to say. Yeah, but see, that's that's just – it's insane, I mean, how the, how week to week it is. Because, I mean, South Carolina looked like they had finally turned the corner. I mean, you saw how they, they upset Georgia, you know, a couple of weeks ago. And then last week, I mean, they played really hard at home against Florida in a game that looked like they had a chance to win before, you know, that Florida blew it wide open in the fourth quarter. So, I mean, South Carolina looked like they were turning the corner, and then they come into this game, and, you know, they got hit in the mouth in the beginning of the second half against Tennessee, and they didn't really have a response to it. So, I'm anxious to see how South Carolina responds uh, in the coming weeks, especially when they got a winnable game at home next week against Vanderbilt. Yeah, and, I mean, to me, really – there's kind of two stories of this game for if you're a South Carolina fan. Number one, the second half, they were just completely dominated. Um, you know, they didn't score a point in the second half. Uh, they're, you know, they're winning 21-17 at halftime, end up losing 41-21. Um, and then you had the punt return for a touchdown. Then you had a block punt return for a touchdown. Um, you know, I mean. Just big plays. Yeah, right. I mean, and then, I mean, if you take those two special teams plays away, then, I mean, it's a pretty close game. So, um you know, I mean, it's one of those things where, like, yeah, even though you gave up those big plays, um, you know, if you just avoid those special teams gaps, then, uh, you know, you're probably still in the game. So I know that really hurts Will Muschamp. He's a special teams guy. Um, you know, he's very high on – You know, he usually is really good on special teams. Um, it's usually the offense that gives him problems. But, uh, you know, the defense and special teams definitely let him down on this one. Um, and then this, as you said, is obviously going to be huge for – South Carolina's chances of getting to a bowl game are definitely very much diminished now. I don't think they're going to be able to uh, to quite make it now. Um, you know, it looked like after they beat Georgia on the road <laughs> that they kind of, you know, revived their chances. But um looks like they're back to uh, not not looking too good for them to make a bowl game this year. And, yeah. uh, moving on to the next game, um, Mississippi State and Texas A&M, the 11 a.m. game, Maroon on Maroon. Um, this was over pretty early. Um Texas A&M got up 14-0 pretty early, and uh, it was really was kind of a snoozer. Uh, Mond had a pretty big game. 
234 yards passing, three touchdowns, no picks, 76 yards rushing, and two more touchdowns on the ground. So five touchdowns total, over 300 yards of total offense. So a really good game for Mond. Uh, Mississippi State's defense was not good, uh, to say the least. Um, what were kind of you did get to see all of this game? So what was kind of your takeaway from this one? I mean, to me, it's just uh, I don't really know if I want to say the defense is bad. I mean, I think the de- the defense to me is just is on the field so much because Mississippi State's offense, you know, can generate you know a drive to stay on the field and you know get a few first downs. I mean, I mean, finally the the offense woke up in the second half, and uh, you know State's defense was able to settle down a little bit, but I mean. I, I mean, it's just, it's just not a uh, really good team at the moment. I mean, I don't. It's just I don't. They don't. Mississippi State doesn't really have an identity, and uh, hopefully in the second half, the way they perform, they can carry that momentum, you know, into next week and playing at Arkansas because they definitely need to win that game against Arkansas. And I think, you know, they got to show some progress. And you know, I did like the way A and M came in in this game too. I mean, they, uh, you know, you know, asserted themselves from the beginning. Uh, they took Mississippi State seriously as they should. And uh, they, you know, assumed control from the get-go. And, you know, they never really let off either. Yeah, Mississippi State was missing, I believe, six starters on the defensive side of the ball. Um, so definitely not very many teams are going to win with that. You know, Bob Shoup uh, has been getting a lot of criticism. Um, I don't think that's necessarily fair at this point. Um, you know, just because of the amount of suspensions and injuries that they've had. They were missing both starting corners in this one. And, um, you know, mine just had a lot of easy passes. They were just killing State on the slants um, all day. Um, State had two freshman corners out there, and there was some definitely some miscommunications and then some, some bad tackling at times. Uh, you know, they were able to get some pressure on Mond a few times, but some of it was just a little bit late, um, and he had some open receivers down the field to complete some easy passes. Um, but, you know, if there's one positive, I guess, from the Mississippi State side of things, and I guess we'll start with them, um, and this one is just that, you know, the second half, the offense kind of came to life a little bit. Um, this is the first time this season, at least in conference play, that we've seen um, State's offense really be clicking. Um, the offense was okay in the Auburn game once Schrader came in. Um, and then they were pretty good in the second half of this one. He was able to complete some passes. Um, you know, the numbers still aren't good. 13 for 30, uh, 194 yards, three touchdowns, one pick. Um so, but it, it was good in that second half to finally see them complete some passes down the field and, um, you know, create those explosive plays yeah. that Coach Moorhead is always talking about. And uh, another positive for saying this one on the offensive side is that we're able to get Colin Hill going again, 21 carries, 150 yards, and a touchdown. He's had three really bad games in a row against uh, Auburn, LSU, and Tennessee, um, but he's finally bounced back and had another big game. So that's definitely something they're going to need going forward. Uh, but moving over to, to A&M, you know, definitely um, a pretty good win for them. They uh, pretty much dominated on the offensive side of the ball, as they should have. And, um, you know, they they do sweep the two Mississippi schools for the first time since Johnny Manziel's been there. So, or since Johnny Manziel left, I should say. So, uh, they've kind of, it, you know, is, you can say that, Maybe record-wise, they're not where a lot of A&M's fans want them to be, and they're not uh, competing with Alabama, LSU, and Auburn right now. And that may be true, but, you know, they are taking a step forward this year, um, you know, kind of establishing themselves um, ahead of the two Mississippi schools to kind of, um, you know, create that, move into that next tier and kind of hopefully take another step forward next year. So 
Um, as frustrating as it may be, and maybe you didn't take as big of a step forward this year if you're A&M, you know, you still have to, um, you know, appreciate the fact that you have taken somewhat of a step forward. And I mean, hey, you still have um, Georgia and LSU later in the year. Yeah, both those games are on the road, and I, I don't think either one of us is going to pick A&M to win those games. But, you know, if they're able to pull an upset and win those games, um, but I mean, even if they don't, I mean, I think this is still kind of a step forward for them, but you still have those opportunities um, going forward in the season. Yeah, for sure. I mean, A and M definitely is. I think there's. I, I think they're still really going in the right direction too. I mean, I see seven wins, you know, for them the rest of the season. But so I mean, they're they're in good shape and good hands. I mean, they're going to be really good next year. But on the flip side for Mississippi State, I mean, they're uh, three and five now, and uh, next week, I mean, it's it's really the first pivotal game I think in the Joe Moorhead era. Like they need to win next week, because uh, if, if if somehow they weren't to win. Uh, they got Alabama coming into Starkville the very next game, and then you're staring at you know three and seven and losing bowl eligibility, and they got to win at Arkansas next week. So it's it's really the first pivotal game coming up in the Moorhead era. So are you worried at all about Texas A&M's defense in the second half, or you think they just like knew the game was over and just kind of melted in? I don't really. I mean, I, I said they kept the intensity up, but I guess I should have clarified it was really more on the offense. I mean, I do think the defense. Uh, was letting it up a little bit. I mean, taking their foot off the gas and you know not bringing the same effort they brought in the first half when they were shutting down State's offense. But, I mean, i got to give credit to uh, State as well. I mean, Schrader started making some really good plays and making some good throws, and the receivers were getting open and making good plays too. So, I mean, i got to give credit where credit is due. Yeah, and, I mean, you look at the yards, and it was actually pretty even in this one, 433 for State, 441 for A&M. But, really, you can tell the differences are number one turnovers – Three turnovers for State, two fumbles, one pick. Um, and then uh, third down, Mississippi State 4 of 11, Texas A&M 8 of 11. So um, those are definitely the two biggest things, um, the difference in this one. Um, you know, so it's definitely something that State's going to have to clean up going forward. And you do make a good point about the Arkansas game next week. I mean, if State loses that one, um, and it's going to be a tough game too because I think, you know, we'll get into more of this in the preview, but, you know, obviously Arkansas is looking at that game as um, one that they could potentially get. Um, they've kind of, you know, had some tough losses this year. Um, you know, they kept it close with A&M and they had a tough loss at Kentucky as well. So I think they're looking at this one as a chance for them to maybe get a win. And then if you're state, you know, you have to win this one to get to a bowl game. Yeah. So, um, you know, yeah. if they lose this one, they're not going to be able to make it to a bowl game. Yeah. So. It's, it's really a crossroads game for both teams. I mean, state needs to win that game, you know, to keep the bowl hopes alive. And Arkansas just needs it because they need a they need a signature win for uh, Chad Morris and you know his short era that he's had there and just something to build on. But of course, we'll cover more of that coming up in the preview in a few days, and that's one that uh, I'm actually a little bit excited for. Just you know, I like. I mean, it's just it's a very pivotal moment for both programs coming up, and not what you wanted to see on either side. And um, I hate to do it to our boy Keyshawn Vaughn, but SEC Slow Smoked has a new favorite player. And that player is, of course, Lynn Bowden Jr. from the Kentucky Wildcats. The wide receiver turned Wildcat quarterback. Um, had another huge game. Um, only 3 of 7 passing for 54 yards, but had 21 carries for 204 yards, two touchdowns, um, and a huge win over Missouri. Um, what were your impressions of Lynn Bowden in this one? Uh, he was he's incredible. I mean, he's the best. Uh, he's the best player on the team, the best athlete on the team. And Mark Stoops knows what he's doing. He's putting this best player at quarterback where he thinks that gives his ch- team the best chance to win. And I mean, it's it's working. I mean, they're controlling the line of scrimmage. Uh, you know, they're not. You know, they're not throwing as much. I mean, you kind of know what they're gonna do. 
But, you know, they're winning the battle up front. And I'm controlling the uh, time of possession as well. I mean that, and, and also their defense. You know, with you know under Stoops' leadership, I mean they're making they're making the stops that they need as well. I mean they're they're managing the game really well with what they have. And Lynn Bowden is just carrying this team, you know, on his shoulders. And got to give the credit to him. I mean he's been incredible these last few weeks leading them. And I'm anxious to see how they do going forward. I mean they got you know some more tough matchups coming up, but I mean I think they're in good shape. You know to get you know, over six wins and uh, making it back to a bowl. Yeah, I agree. And, I mean, make no mistake. I mean, I love Lynn Bowden, and he's definitely been carrying this offense. But you have to give most of the credit in this one to the Kentucky defense, um, only allowing seven points to a pretty good uh, Missouri offense. And we'll get into Missouri in a moment. Uh, Obviously, Kelly Bryant's a little banged up and not playing right. But you really got to give credit to Mark Stoops and this defense. I mean, um you talk about a team that like Tennessee that's kind of improved over the course of the season. I think you definitely have to say that for South Carolina or for uh, Kentucky, excuse me. Um, you know, obviously tough loss in Starville. Um, you know, definitely not like the best start for Kentucky, but they've come on pretty strong. Um, getting this big win over Missouri and obviously beating Arkansas at home as well. Um, definitely moving forward and it's good to see. And you got to give a lot of credit to Mark Stoops in that defense. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, we look at, Kentucky's remaining schedule. They got four games. Three of them are at home. Uh, they got a, they they host Tennessee. Uh, they host um, they play at Vanderbilt. That's the only road game. Then they host UT Martin and, and their rival, in-state rival Louisville. So definitely have a path for them to get two more wins for sure and get back to a bowl, which you know is really quite frankly a really miraculous job for by Mark Stoops because I don't know if there's many coaches that can manage this team to six wins with the injuries that he's been dealt with this year. So great testament to Mark Stoops and. And really the stability of the, uh, that he's brought to the program. I mean, he's created a winning culture there. Yeah, he definitely has. I mean, obviously they're at four wins right now. They beat UT Martin. That's going to be five. So they mm-hmm. only have to win one of those other games. So um, definitely doable. Um, you know, I think that Tennessee game is going to be tough. Um, Vanderbilt on the road is, you know, I think they're going to be favored. But, you know, Vanderbilt's definitely going to show up for that one, especially being at home. You know, and then obviously Louisville is a rivalry game and anything can happen. So, um Assuming that they are able to take care of Tennessee Martin, which I'm sure they will, um, you know, definitely looking pretty good to get to that bowl game, like you were saying. Yeah, they just need one of those three, and I mean, I think they're definitely up to the task to get at least one of those. Yeah, and then on the flip side, um, obviously, a really tough loss for Missouri. Back to back tough losses. It's not. It's so funny that like um, everyone was talking about before the season, like, oh, Missouri's going to be eight zero going into the Georgia game, and then they lose the first game. And everyone's like, oh no, they suck. Then they bounce back have a really big turnaround, um, you know, win five games in a row, and everyone's like, all right, well, they settled down. That was just the Wyoming game was a fluke. They're going to go into the Georgia game 7-1. and one. And then what do they do? They turn around, they lose back-to-back weeks at Kentucky, at or yeah, at Vanderbilt last week, then at Kentucky this week. Um, and then just to get completely blown out by Kentucky um, was just, you know, really bad. I know Bryant's uh, really banged up. I think he's got a knee injury. Um, and then obviously they've had a lot of other injuries, um, on this team, but you know, nothing compared to like what Kentucky has been going through. Um, like, I mean, what do we even make of like Barry Odom in Kentucky or uh, Barry Odom in Missouri right now? I mean, they're, they're a program that's really in disarray right now. I mean, this is an, an absolute collapse. And I mean, I mean, if you look at the schedule coming up, I mean, it's no guarantee that they can win, you know, one more game. I mean, I think they can. I mean, looking at it, I mean, they they got an easier win, I guess, against Arkansas. But, I mean, the next two weeks, I mean, you can probably go ahead and chalk them up as losses. I mean, they got 
Um, in two weeks, they got to play uh, at Georgia. That you can go ahead and count that as a loss. And the next week, they got to host Florida. I think you can go ahead and maybe chalk that up as a loss. That means they're going to be five and five going into their game uh, hosting Tennessee. I mean, this Tennessee team doesn't even look that bad. It doesn't even look bad anymore. I mean, you could almost call this a toss up at this point. So I mean, that's a game they that could be bad. And then also, and then the following week to end the season. They got to play uh, at Arkansas, and Arkansas, you know, they're going to come to play for this one. It's that big rivalry yeah, game. It's the biggest rivalry in college football. Yeah, the biggest rivalry in college football. Uh, Chad Morris is going to be looking for a signature victory if he doesn't get it against Mississippi State next week. So, I mean, there is a slight possibility that Missouri could lose out, and if they do, you can say bye-bye to Barry Odom. I don't even know if they have to lose out, honestly, but, you know, I'm not counting Missouri <laughs> out, um, especially out of the Florida and Tennessee games at home. I definitely think that they'll bounce back. Um, I think maybe not having the postseason this year has maybe um, kind of taken away some of their focus from from some of these games, um, and that might be part of the reason for the losses. Um, maybe I'm just making excuses for them. But um, anyway, we'll go ahead and move on to the last game and definitely the least exciting of all the games. Uh, Alabama beats <laughs> up on Arkansas 48-7, uh, even with Mac Jones playing. Uh, looks like T Tagovailoa did play, but it wasn't Tua. It was his little brother. So yep, uh, he got in the game, six of eight, forty-five yards. Um, but it was really about Mac Jones in this one. Um, eighteen of twenty-two, two hundred thirty-five yards, three touchdowns, no picks. Um, you know, pretty much just did whatever they wanted to on offense. They didn't have like crazy numbers like yardage-wise, but um, you know, I mean, obviously they have good field position. They had, they had a defensive, um, maybe not. I wasn't a touchdown, but he returned it trying to fumble back into the red zone. So had a couple short fields in this one, and um, Arkansas just didn't really stand a chance in this one. No, they didn't. I mean, I, I mean, it's just, it's hard to make this Arkansas team. I mean, I mean, they just they're just not a good team. Hold. I mean, I don't know what else to say. I mean, they're just they don't have any kind of identity. Uh, they're really bad on on offense. They're really not so great on defense. I mean, the defense is probably a little better than the offense. Uh, you know, Nick Starkle had a really, really bad game. Uh, Rakeem Boyd, you know, was limited, you know, by his production. I mean, he, he still got 105 yard total yards, but, uh, and, you know, it just wasn't enough. I mean, they got that last touchdown, you know, at the end of the game. And, of course, Nick Saban had his rant, you know, for because uh, they allowed him to score. But, I mean, you know, it's just I, – I don't know what to make of that. I mean, it's, it's just – it's really bleak in Fayetteville right now. I feel horrible for their fans. I mean, their fans are, you know, awesome, and they they really love their program. They support it. Uh, they've been bringing big crowds, you know, to, to the, to, into the stadium, you know, every week, even with the team as bad as they are. They just want to support a winning product, Holt, and, and I, I feel for them. No, I definitely do as well. And, I mean, you talk about Starkle, and, I mean, obviously I'll read his stat line again, but 5 of 19 for 58 yards and three touchdowns. I mean, that's – uh, three interceptions, excuse me. So, um, man, I mean, it's just a really rough game. And uh, Rakeem Boyd, 12 carries, 50 yards. So, I mean, I just, you know, I want to see something for this Arkansas team to kind of maybe feel excited about the future. And I think Arkansas fans are the same way. Like, But you just don't see anything that makes you think that this program is going in the right direction. I think maybe the only thing you could say is maybe some of these young receivers, but you know, even they didn't really do anything in this one. Um, but I mean, obviously that's a lot on Starkle. So, I mean, you just, you want to be able to have something to kind of be excited about and something to kind of look forward to. And I'm just not really sure like where that is with this Arkansas team. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just really hard to, uh, you know, dissect, 
you know, this Arkansas team. I mean, it's just they they've shown some flashes. Like if you you know, just about a month ago, we were talking, you know, how you know competitive they were against A uh, and M, and then competitive against Kentucky. And you know they couldn't. They all they had a really a good shot to beat A and M. You know they drove down the field into the red zone and weren't able to uh, you know convert and win the game. That would have you know if, who knows where their season would be right now if they had won that game. I mean they could have gone the next week and beaten Kentucky and we could be staring at a you know four and four Arkansas team instead of two and six. I mean sometimes just momentum and just you know one play in a game can like really change a season. But I mean this Alabama team. I mean I, not that we have to recap them that much. I mean. They're a juggernaut. I mean, it doesn't matter if two is in there. I mean, they're still going to be able to move the football. And Mac Jones, you know, after having a week of preparation and knowing that he's going to play, you know, he had a really solid game. I mean, really conservative game plan. But, you know, we went 18-22, you know, with three touchdowns, no picks, and 235 yards. I mean, it was exactly what you wanted from him. And Najee Harris had a pretty productive day, you know, you know, 86 yards and 13 carries. I mean, that was a really good average. So, I mean, good. it was a good overall day for Alabama. Yep, and uh, that will pretty much wrap up our SEC talk. Uh, we'll move around and talk about some of the national games and then have our Players of the Week and, of course, our famous white chicken. And we'll update you on our picks uh, standings. There was definitely some moves made this weekend. Um, but first, we will talk about some of the national games. Um, SMU gets the big win over Houston on Thursday night. Uh, close game. Um, Memphis gets the... Uh, last second missed field goal by Tulsa's poor kicker. Um, missed a chip shot field goal to win them the game. So, uh, small chance it still has not been announced, but small chance that maybe game day comes to Memphis next weekend. So, that would be pretty exciting. Um, too bad Alex isn't here to talk about that. Um, but what do you think the odds are of that? You think they're good? I would give them 50-50 odds. I mean, we're recording right now. Uh, it's currently after 11 p.m., on a Sunday, and College Game Day and ESPN have not yet made their announcement on where they're going next week. So, I mean, not to get too much into it, but that tells me that they're deliberating and they're really weighing out all their options. I don't. It's obvious to me they don't want to go to Jacksonville. Uh, they've already seen Georgia and Florida this year, and they also went to Jacksonville last year for the cocktail party, so I think they're just... Obviously, they don't want to go there, so I think they're just really weighing out all their options for places that they can go to that they've never been to before. And, and I do think Memphis is probably the number one uh, contender, but I do think they're looking at some other options too. Yeah, I would really like to see Memphis. I just think it's a good opportunity for them. And, um, you know, they've never been to Memphis before. And, you know, it would just be cool. It would be cool for the <laughs> University of Memphis. It would be cool for the city of Memphis. Obviously, that's our all of our hometowns, me, JB, and Alex. So it would be really cool to see. Um, I would definitely go and probably hold up an SEC Slow Smoke sign. Um, so maybe maybe we could do that, get some more exposure, um, you know. Because, I mean, this podcast is already growing, but, I mean, we could grow it even more, honestly, and I'll take over the world one day. But anyway, we'll get away from that, um, talk about some more games. Uh, Wisconsin gets absolutely dominated by Ohio State. This looked like it might be a close game for a second. Uh, Wisconsin, it was 10 nothing Ohio State. Wisconsin blocks a punt, throws a touchdown pass, and, you know, it starts looking like Wisconsin might be in this. Their defense played really well early in the game, but... The levy finally broke, and uh, um, Ohio State was really able to run away with it. Um, obviously, the biggest storyline of the weekend, though, is Kansas State getting the big upset over Oklahoma, 48-41. Um, you know, they were up, I think, like 48-23, and Oklahoma came all the way back. Looked like they recovered an onside kick with like a minute and a half left, but um, Oklahoma player had touched it like the nine nine and a half yards yeah. um, when it's it needed to go 10. So uh, definitely tough there. Um, I have seen some people saying that, they actually should have been ruled Oklahoma's ball because 
the Oklahoma player who touched the ball was being blocked by a Kansas State player. And apparently some people's understanding of the rule is that if uh, the, the member on the kicking team is getting blocked into the ball, that it doesn't it's, it counts as if he didn't touch the ball. Um, so I don't know exactly what the rules are. We may have to bring in our rules expert um, on that. Um, but he's not with us right now, so maybe we'll have to do it another time. <laughs> Man, that is a twist, too, because, you know, what if they had ruled it Oklahoma this ball? Yeah. I mean, we probably would have been talking about it every time. Going back to last week, and I hate to do this, but, like, if that's Alabama in an SEC game instead of Oklahoma in a Big 12 game, I mean, do Alabama you, gets that you think Alabama gets that call? I think Alabama gets that I, I, call I absolutely agree. I mean, I, I, as, you know, a lot of SEC fans call it, it's Bama privilege. I mean, they... I mean, I guess you can say they've earned it, but it's also not fair to the other, you know, schools in the conference. But, I mean, I do honestly believe if the roles were reversed and this was Alabama, you know, recovering an onside kick in an SEC game against maybe someone like, uh, like maybe uh, like Ole Miss, or, like Ole Miss or Mississippi State on the road, I I think Alabama would have gotten the call and they would have gotten the ball back. Yeah. Uh, Penn State gets an easy win over Michigan State. TCU pulls the home upset over their in-state rivals, the Texas Longhorns. Um, I I just kind of felt like something was up when I saw a close line in that game, but it is always fun to see Texas lose. Uh, everybody's been uh, tweeting that video out of Sam Ellinger at the Sugar Bowl saying we're back or whatever. We're back. Yeah, the Texas back meter is back to uh, back down to not really. Yeah, um, not really. <laughs> uh, Minnesota gets the uh, the huge win over Maryland, fifty two to ten. Um, Oklahoma State goes on the road, gets a big win over Iowa State in Ames. Um, that was a tough game to pick. I really wasn't sure who was going to win that game. I probably, if I'd have been forced to pick, I'd probably have taken Iowa State, but um, good win for them. Uh, Clemson dominates Boston College. And then uh, Notre Dame, uh, we don't have to talk about them anymore. Are you excited? I am. I am absolutely excited. Like that loss, you know, that blowout loss in Michigan means they're officially eliminated from playoff contention. And, I mean, they'll probably, you know, maybe find a way to get to a New Year's Six. You know, as long as I think they finish 9-3, and three, uh, they'll be in a New Year's Six Bowl. But at least we're not going to have to hear listen about how they should have a shot in the college football playoff and how good they are. I'm sorry. I mean, they're not good enough. And those two losses, you know, at Georgia and at Michigan confirmed it. Yeah, 45-14, they fall to the Wolverines. Um, so UCLA gets a 10-point home run over Arizona State. They've kind of bounced back. Um, after a really rough start to the year. It looks like Chip Kelly finally has them turned around a little bit. Uh, so that's definitely good to see. Um, Utah beats Cal 35 nothing, Pretty easy win. And then probably the most exciting game. Uh, I don't know if you stayed up and finished this I one. Did, but indeed. I did, uh, I unfortunately was unable to. I had to go to bed. But uh, Oregon beats Washington State on the last second field goal after Washington State had just taken the lead with like a minute or two left in the game. Yeah, they did, and uh, then Oregon drove down the field uh, r- relatively easily and uh, had a chip shot field goal with time expiring to uh, win the game 37-35, and it was a good game. That was one of the better games of the weekend. It seems like the Pac-12 was putting out some really good games that at the times, you know, late at night when no one can see them, but uh, I do want to go back briefly and touch on the Minnesota game. With Minnesota blowing out Maryland, you know, and Penn State taking care of business at Michigan State, both of those two teams are off next week which means in two weeks you're going to have two 8-0 undefeated teams squaring off in Minneapolis. Man, that's an awesome – that's going to be an awesome atmosphere in Minneapolis. Like, you don't, you don't get many big games at home there, and this might be a chance for Minneapolis to get college game day. Sorry, Tuscaloosa, but you've had college game day enough. I think this would be a great time for, for Minneapolis to get it, and I'm, I'm sure their fans are going to be lobbying for it. 
Oh, yeah. And uh, I believe that game day still has not been to Minnesota. They have not. That They are one of the nine uh, Power 5 schools that have not yet to uh, host a college game day. And I'm, I'm not trying to pick on Alabama, but, I mean, they get college game day every year. Uh, they've gone to college game day multiple times in the last, you know, 10 years for the Alabama-LSU game, you know, regardless of location. I mean, I'm not trying to, you know, lobby for Minnesota at all, but I would not blame ESPN for uh, dodging the one versus two matchup and going to Minneapolis and, you know, knocking off another school in the Power Five that they've never been to. All right, and now we got our Wooded Chickens and our uh, Players of the Week. Uh, I think I know who my Player of the Week is. I think it's the official SEC player, um, the the official SEC Slow Smoke player, um, this year, and that is Lynn Bowden. He's officially been crowned um, SEC player, SEC slow smoke player of the year. <laughs> if I, I just like, I'm not getting any of my words right today. Um, but anyway, uh, last year it was um, Travion Williams from yep. Texas and A&M. He was our guy. This year it's going to be Lynn Bowden. Um, I don't have Alex here to confirm that with me, but I'm pretty sure he agrees. So uh, he's our player of the week. Obviously had over 200 yards rushing. From the quarterback position, you know, obviously being a wide receiver, um, having to play quarterback due to, you know, the injuries and uh, leading his team to a big win at home. Um, definitely going to be him. Who is your uh, player of the week? Yeah, my player of the week is uh, Juwan Jennings. He, he had seven receptions for 174 yards and two touchdowns. Also took some snaps at quarterback and had, uh, you know, some, some yards on the ground as well. And he also threw a uh, long... Uh, downfield pass that was caught by Marquez Callaway that was called back because of an ineligible receiver downfield, so it wasn't his fault. So, I mean, I got to give him, uh, you know, credit. He had an awesome game. I mean, there were some other candidates, too. I mean, I could have picked Kellen Mond as well, but I believe I picked him once already this season. So I want to give some love to uh, Juwan Jennings. And, uh, you know, fifth-year senior, has uh, been through a lot through his career, uh, had a, you know, had a tough season so far this year, not getting a lot of touches, but he had a coming out party, and I wanted to uh, award him the uh, SEC Player of the Week from my side. Yeah, and uh, for the What a Chicken, I think I'm going to go more national. I believe you might go more SEC. It doesn't matter, but I'm, mine's going to be national. Uh, mine's just going to be the Wisconsin offense. Uh, very disappointed in them in this one. Um, I think a lot of people probably saw a blowout coming, and you know I kind of did too. And you could also throw Wisconsin's defense in here as well because they go up a lot of points, but... Um, I was just really disappointed in their offense just not being able to get anything going. I mean, I guess, you know, I I don't think anyone expects their offense to be creative, but definitely in a big game like this, you would expect them to be able to put up more than seven points. And those seven points came after a blocked field goal. So they didn't even have one scoring drive, um, you know, that didn't start basically already in the red zone. So um, really disappointed in their offensive performance in this one. And Paul Chris, their head coach, um, you definitely – just want to see more out of them in this one. And Jonathan Taylor is supposed to be, uh, I mean, he is one of the best running backs in the country. Couldn't get anything going. 20 carries, 52 yards. So, you know, I'm not sure if we need to pass the blame to the offensive line or the coaching, but uh, pretty much all of it um, needed to be better on Saturday. And uh, they didn't really give their defense much of a chance because, you know, their defense and special teams put them in position in the second half to, uh, you know, to be in this game and to go win it. And I think it was pretty obvious that once once the defense realized that the offense wasn't going to get anything going, it kind of just uh, ruined it for the defense. But anyway, I'm yeah. going with, with Wisconsin's entire offense slash coaching staff. Yeah, I do like that pick of Wisconsin. And not to like not to give too much analysis, but yeah, that's really disappointing that they lost you know two straight games 
And, uh, you know, they got some pivotal games coming up the rest of the season. They got to still host Iowa in two weeks. And that off week that's coming up next week could not come at a better time for Wisconsin. It'll give them a chance to regroup. So, yeah, that's that's good, that's good for them. They needed this off week. But my way to chicken is going to come from the SEC. And this is I think this is the second time this year I've given it to him. I feel bad. But it's got to go to Nick Starkle. Uh, he had, you know, the worst game in the conference uh, this uh, past week. And it went 5-19. Uh, let's see how many total yards. I know it, it just went out of my head. Yeah, 58 yards passing, three interceptions. And he also counted, uh, really I could blame him for another turnover, the uh, bobbled snap out of the shotgun that uh, led to a fumble and a recovery by the Alabama defense, in which Alabama went on to score on that you know ensuing possession. So it was an all-out really bad game for Starkle. I, I hate to you know pick on it and sing out a single player. I'd rather sing out a single unit. But uh, it's just it's it's tough for him. I mean, it's it was a really bad game. All right. Well, I think that's pretty much all we got for today. Um, thank you all for listening. Um, and I don't really have anything else. Do you have anything else? I do not. But I'm excited for next week. And we got the cocktail party coming up. Uh, we got Mississippi State uh, playing at Arkansas. That's another big one. Uh, we're going to be able to preview all these games coming up next week uh, in a couple of days. So we hope you will tune in for that. All right. And we will see y'all probably sometime Thursday morning or really late Wednesday night if you're just up super late. Um, we'll have that podcast up for you. And hope you all have a great week. And uh, keep eating, keep watching football, and whatever else. So see you later. Thanks for tuning in to another outstanding episode of the SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. Be sure to rate us and subscribe on iTunes or your podcast app of choice. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SEC Slow Smoked. Spread the good word on this podcast like the chili and cheese on your fries. If you like this podcast, tell a friend because there's plenty to go around. Oh, yeah.